I realize your guy's show is for the lore, which means I can actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. But but I'm not done yet. But uh, wait till I have to take a sip of my wine, dude. But boom boom boom, stabity stab, and you're having fun. Totally awesome brain. Are we letting that go? Is it, are we are we actually gonna let that go? The little communicator. Which every time I play, if we're on vent, I'm gonna have my little communicator on, and I'm gonna be like beep, and then I'm gonna say what I have to say, and I'm, beep every freaking time. Beep. I don't care if it makes a sound or not. I'll be making the beep sound because it's just too cool. With blue phaser laser things, it's kind of cool. Step up in 3D. Hold on, he's looking up the Swedish chef on YouTube. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I don't know what you're but talking he puts, about. He puts Keep little going. popcorn things up to his eyeballs, and he goes, 3D! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing very good at all. Make up for what you're, you're not doing, you know, and, and make, you know, overcome your, your shortcomings with, with with really good quality. True. Make up for what you're you're not doing, you know, and, and make you know, overcome your your shortcomings with, with with really good quality. True. Make up for what you're you're not doing, you know, and, and make you know, overcome your, your shortcomings with, with with really good quality. Because I'm an absolute loser. Here's my dude. I am a tech, and I am interested.
way to turn off your women. I mean, a, wearing a pad's like wearing a diaper. <laughs> Aaron's ac- or, um, significant other in the, the okay. chat audience. I have a suggestion for you. Take it Uh-oh. from someone who's been married for quite a few years now. And having heard from your significant other for a little bit now, I would suggest... When you're cleaning your ears out with Q-tips every morning kind of thing, <laughs> press a little harder. It'll hurt at first, but trust me, it'll pay off in the long you're run. You're supposed to stop when you feel what, resistant. What you want is you want to eventually <laughs> puncture right through, and you want to do significant damage to that ear canal. <laughs> we have more? <laughs> Wait, one more How can you follow that? <laughs> Uh, it's it's sort of losing its feel of that Baldur's Gate F. Uh, You're not uh, looking at the stream, are you? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I get for letting <laughs> I'm just gonna stop. for the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, July the 12th. And it has been a long goddamn time that I have been wanting to say that. We've been away for seven months now. It's been quite a ride since then. For anybody who's interested, you just have to go to the site, go to forthelore.com slash relaunch. I'm not going to go into great detail as to the whys and how we're back, but we are back. And back with me, surprisingly, even though they endured months of abuse, they still chose to come back. We've got the the shaman extraordinaire that puts thrall to shame. We've got Joe, who's back. How's it going, buddy? Glad to be back, and I chalk it up to Stockholm Syndrome, really. I mean, that's, that's why I'm here. Ah, I just learned to love the abuse. And, of course, Vince, whose ass hattery knows no bounds. Vince, how are you doing? You're still an asshole, but we love you. Yeah, well, that's all that matters, really, because <laughs> let's be honest, it's not like I'm fighting the stereotype. So, again, we are back. I don't want to spend too much time with you. I can barely speak. I'm still laughing and kind of crying from, <laughs> from, from that song. <laughs> I literally, I spent weeks going through all of the um, episodes that we had. And I was picking out some of the best parts. It was it was hard to pick certain things out. And there are certain things that I can remember, moments that I can remember that I just couldn't find them. And I really wish I could have because they would have been fantastic in the song. 
But anyway, we are back again, like I said, and we're back for good. Not just that, but we are back as we were initially. It's not bow down to us. Unfortunately, that project had to come to an end because of my uh, my problems with my knees and uh, insert joke there. Um and but that being said, still the bow down to us project in a matter of under four months, we put out over 70 plus podcast episodes from lore games and comics. And I'm really proud of the work that we did there. That being said, though, that project is done and we're back to our roots right now. Vince and I are also doing a comics podcast. We continued the, the comics podcast that we were doing through bow down to us, but we came up with a new name so you can go to comic book informer and you can listen to the comic book podcast there we're having a blast we've been doing it for a few months and it's been great and so again i was looking at what kind of time frames i have taking into consideration all the physio i'm doing and whatnot and i do have time for this games podcast and i sorely miss doing it and sorely miss just shooting the shit with the guys so i thought about it and uh, we thought that we'd come back again as our original for the lore a simple story driven podcast and i'm really looking forward to doing this every every week as i'm hoping you guys are too hell fucking yes all right nothing's ever simple with us though <laughs> It's staying simple because really there's no choice. <laughs> so this is what it is. And that's the thing too. When you guys go to the website, know that don't expect big reviews, big fancy features, none of that. We simply don't have the time. And what I mean, when I say we, I mean, actually all of us, Joe likes to stretch himself eternally thin by working on as many projects online as he possibly can right now. We got World of Maticus. We got WoW Insider. We got Raid Warning, which pss, they're, even their best podcast doesn't even come close to our worst. Pfft, take that, guys. And then what else are you hey. working on? You're also, yeah, it's true. You're also working on stuff with Vince for Massive Nerd. And now with Kinda. us as well. <clears throat> Cut. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. Ooh, little dig there. And then, Vince, you've been doing the all the stuff for Massive Nerd as well. You got some fantastic video reviews that you've been doing, but you're, you're kind of slowing down on that now. Yeah, my time with Bow Down to Us uh, really taught me you know what i enjoyed because i didn't have to be the sole content provider for that site like i was for mine so i learned you know i had this free time and i was enjoying it so i went back solo it was kind of i tried to do too much i tried to equal the output of a whole website just with myself and i i was feeling the stress of it so i've scaled back and i'm once again very happy with the way things are going well that's the thing too if you start to do too much then you don't actually have the time to play the games that you're supposed to be talking about and things like that and it's just not fun it becomes a job so let's actually just stop right there, jump into some actual news of what has been going on and, and have some fun talking about games again. Before we get into any actual story driven games, one of the new items that uh, news items that came up yesterday, I believe yeah, I saw that is is not, you know, story driven, but it's fun to talk about just to see what you guys opinions are on this. Windows 8 is going to allow us to play Xbox 360 games on our PC. Now, I wanted to know what you guys think about this and whether you think this is actually going to be a huge deciding factor in what people are buying as console and playing on consoles. Because right now we are seeing where there are exclusivity contracts that are going up for certain games. Uncharted is a good one that comes to mind. And then you got your Halo and whatnot. So that's one of the things that they do in order to make 
their console, the one that everybody wants to buy. But when you're looking at something like this, do you think that looking at this and then looking at what PlayStation is doing right now, do you think that's going to be a deciding factor in when people when it comes to people buying their consoles? I think it'll help. Honestly, uh, it's it's something that we have to look at going forward, probably for the next Xbox. Uh, like, you know, by the time Windows 8 comes out, we'll, we'll already be looking forward to the next Xbox. So being able to play 360 games on the PC, that's not a huge selling factor. But if perhaps that same uh, viability is there with the Xbox three let's just call it for now games and then even vice versa if the you know the new xbox is running a version of windows truly make the cross platform between the two that could be pretty huge like we saw with um portal 2 with ps3 and steam so i think it's a smart move by microsoft to at least explore that option I, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this is the first step. And I think that the new Xbox is going to wind up running a version of Windows 8. I mean, if you think about it, that's where everything is going, right? Even the new Apple operating system is kind of like their iOS. Um, so I wouldn't surprise me too much if the next incarnation of the Xbox uses a version of like Windows 8. And I don't think this is going to be like the purest selling point, but it's a damn cool, you know, little addition that they're adding in. The idea that, yeah, you know, I could play it on the TV or hook it up to a monitor, that's fine. Or I can just take the game and, and jam it over into my PC, which, you know, might be in a better position or quieter position or a more comfortable position uh, than the TV. And if you live with roommates or anything like that, you don't have to worry about bothering them. That's a cool little feature because there's plenty of Xbox 360 games that I always thought would be better with a mouse and a keyboard. The opportunity to play them with a mouse and a keyboard really appeals to me. See, I think it's more than that. I actually do think that this is a console, will make it a console seller. When you're looking at, there are still a lot of PC gamers out there. There are still a lot of PC gamers that are very disappointed with what is going on with PC gaming right now, the lack thereof, or the fact that you're just getting the console ports. Now, that being said, of course, if you're playing a 360 game on your PC, obviously it's going to be a console port. But if the programming is very close to the same, because of again, it's it's using the same iOS, I shouldn't say iOS, sorry, OS, then it's likely to be better coded so that it works on both equally well. I, I mean, you're hoping here, who the hell knows? So I'm really hoping that it's going to be something that wherein it does make a big difference with um with the games in that you can play anything and play just as well on your PC. I am more of a PC gamer. I always have been. So I really love the idea that I can, you know, any game that I buy, I'm not going to have to buy it twice, one for console and one for PC. I can just pick up the 360 version and play it on both. That's huge to me. Not only is it going to save me money, but it's going to be, you know, I'll have the option then of playing on whichever I want. And now, if they do what they did with uh, with Batman Arkham Asylum, because of the way the, the, the save is done too, if I'm not mistaken, if you play it on either, it remembers where you're at, doesn't it? Yeah, it has a kind of a minuscule cloud support almost. Yeah, well, it, that makes a big difference. So again, if I choose to, if I buy a game and then for the 360 and then I play it on the TV, but then somebody wants to watch a show or whatever, I can just pop the freaking disc on my PC, continue the game and yeah. not miss a beat. I mean, they made such a big deal about that with the uh, Ruin uh, at E3 for the, the PlayStation where you can play it on the, the Vita as well as on the, the PS3. Well, this is essentially the same thing, except in my opinion, on a much broader scale because then you can play it on your laptop 
or on your PC, whatever you're running Windows 8 on. Well, and that and that's kind of what we're getting at, right? Everything's moving to sort of this cloud support. So this sort of idea just allows, like you said, that that sort of potential for that. And that would just be absolutely amazing for just it would about be anybody. Cool. Oh, yeah, would be definitely cool. Okay, again, we're not going to spend too much time. I just wanted to know what you boys thought about it. So the, the biggest thing lately, at least the biggest bank fucking breaker lately, has been Steam once again. The bastards giving us far too many deals. Uh, how much did you guys spend on the Steam sales over the that, uh, what was it, that was a week and a half, two weeks there? Well, well when, you're, when you're broke, it's really easy not to spend anything. <laughs> I spent way too much, honestly. I and what was happening is that I was, um, it, I was looking at the sales, and I was hoping to hell that there wouldn't be a good sale, <laughs> that there wouldn't be anything <laughs> that I wanted to buy, because quite frankly, it was just it, it's it's far too enticing when you're seeing the 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 sales and you're seeing all the things. Like case in point, I was looking at. Um, at Rift when it was on, and it was on sale for 10 bucks, which then includes your first month as well, which is a damn good deal. But I'm thinking, okay, yeah, but that also comes now with a monthly fee that I'm going to have to pay all the time. Do I want to do that? And I decided, no, my choice was, again, do I, do I want to buy, you know, three, four, five more comics a month, or do I want to play Rift? And for me, it was a pretty comics easy win. choice in this case. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Had it not been for that monthly fee, though, I definitely would have picked it up. Did you pick up anything, Vince? Um, yeah, I grabbed a couple smaller games, uh, stuff like Trine and uh, Audio Surf. Uh, I grabbed the Retribution expansion for Warhammer Dawn of War 2. Um, just started playing that game, really liking that. And then, of course, there was the you know, your game, uh, Sanctum, which I played through the first map in the single-player mode, and that crap is intense. <laughs> you know what? My son is loving it. I, I bought the four-pack because my son wanted to buy it, He's the one that put me onto it, and then I was um, I, I was kind of keeping an eye on it as well myself. So when it came on sale, he said I'll buy it, and then I said, well, you know what? I'll buy the four pack, and then I figured I'd give you guys each one too. He's been playing it like crazy. He freaking loves that game. It's it, it's it's definitely not easy, especially at first. No, it's not. But that's kind of awesome. Like I was really really happy with the difficulty of it because I'm so like, oh, this is gonna be so. Oh my god, this is hard. What the fuck's going on? And it just, it kind of was, I don't know, like I did not expect it to be as difficult as it was. And that makes me love the game even more. Now, like, I've been noticing awesome. you guys have been playing the crap out of Magic the Gathering as well. <laughs> that now, this pisses me off because I picked up the non-2012 version literally weeks before the 2012 <laughs> version came out. And it was like, what the crap? I just paid all this freaking money for this. And now you're just going to sell this 2012 version. And that's what everybody's picking up now. So I have not yet picked it up. I'm actually going to wait until the next Magic the Gathering game comes out, and then I'll pick up that shit. But you guys have been really liking it, haven't you? Until this fucking boss I'm on, the end of the arch enemy mode. I've fought oh this my dude God. like 50 fucking times. You can't win. No. You can't fucking I, win. I, I thought I had him. I had 60 fucking health left, and he had <laughs> three cards. I was like, I got this guy. Any top deck a win. He, he, his next to last card he pulled when he had me down to 18 health was asphyxiate and he spent 20 mana to kill me fucker 
<laughs> it's just a card, Vince. It's just a freaking card. Which no, hey, it's more than a card at this point. Speaking it's of personal. cards, just real quickly, I'm giving a shout out to Oh My God, It's a Fox because I got my Pokemon cards from Japan, dude, which is hilarious because I got my freaking Pokemon cards from Japan, but I didn't get my <laughs> rings from Buffalo from I'm, Joe. I'm going to let Tart handle this one. Since but she's I'm just saying, Japan, Buffalo. Yeah, like I was telling Vince, you could have driven to the border, shot it over top the border, and said, go give this to Raj, and it would have gotten to me faster. But anyway, we're not going to go too much into that. Not that I'm, I'm you know, bitter or anything. When you're looking at this new Magic the Gathering, is there any story whatsoever, or is it very much like, you know, um, Puzzle Quest 2 kind of thing, or, or how is there's, it? There's actually a little bit of a story. I mean, as you're playing, you're playing as the summoner you pick, and so you're basically going through trying to gain the powers of the other summoners. And as in between each level uh, or in between each summoner, in between each battle, you actually get snippets of the story of the entire universe. So what it does, is it actually tells you um, in pieces the entire story of the current block of cards that are out there right now live, which I thought was kind of interesting because Magic has always had one of those those cool little stories that it was on the fringes. Like when I was a kid, I remember reading all the Magic books and and how they had everything divided by houses and the different colors and how everything broke down like that. And there was actually a whole lot of story behind it. Um, and with the recent ones, with the addition of the Planeswalkers into the games, um, they have another opportunity to release more story, more background into what is actually being crafted into not just the TCG, but also a world. So you kind of get those little snippets and those that information as you move from match to match, which is kind of nifty. Cool. Yeah, it, it is one that I really want to play, but I'm serious. I'm probably going to wait until the next iteration just because I got the other one. I know it's not as good, but I just got the other one. God damn it. <laughs> so um, also on sale was the Back to the Future, which I know, Joe, you already own, right? Yes, thanks to uh, the wonderful Ginny, uh, I am now the proud owner of all five episodes of that uh, that game. We're gonna, we're not actually going to talk about it too much because I just wanted to say we're I'm I'm putting it on the docket for next week. We're going to oh, talk yes. about it because it's been freaking awesome. I've been playing it and I've I've enjoyed it. It is of course a telltale game, so it's really a listen and click kind of thing. But if you're into that and you love the back to the to the future storyline and the characters and everything man it's been a, a ton of fun so i'm looking forward to discussing that so now talking about mmos when i was talking about riff we're actually going to transition into there from rift to wow it's funny because a lot of people transition from wow to rift and a lot of them now are kind of going back to wow again ironically i was playing wow for quite a while and i left right before all the fire crap started just because I'd pretty much reached that point where I'd kind of had it again. So it, it was largely because of the community, which let's be honest, though there are a great many of them are saints. They're fantastic. More of them are assholes. And with the looking for group system, you're finding all the assholes. <laughs> when you find a good group, you're like, oh my God, that was so awesome. I had so much fun. It shouldn't be that surprising. When you find a good group, that should be the norm. But unfortunately, it's not. And I've been hearing some very mixed things about Rage of the Firelands, wherein some people are really digging it, and a lot of other people really are hating the grind, hating the quests as well, and really not having a lot of fun with it. Where are you at with it, Joe? 
honestly, I really enjoy this patch, um, probably a lot more than patch 4.1. Um, the re-imaging of the troll instances before was kind of cool, but I've been there before and, well, I'm kind of over it. And the new one, uh, there's a lot more stuff going on than I think people realize. Sure, the, there's daily questing and there's a bit of a grind. I get that. Um, that's going to wear on some people, but they added so much more into it. Uh, first of all, the Thrall quest line, which is one of the first things you do when the, when you start up the game in the patch, is really actually fairly robust. Um, see, essentially, just to cut you off real quick, though. Sure. See, that's one of the things that people made such a big deal, including you, about the Thrall parts with Cataclysm. And when I got to them, it was like, yeah, they were awesome, but you blink and you miss it. So it wasn't something that was, there, there wasn't that much to it. What was there, yes, justifiably was awesome, but it was over in two minutes. Like, is are we seeing the same thing with this? No, 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 not at all. I mean, this is an entire series of quests. So here's the here's the basic breakdown, right? So all of the dragon aspects that remaining, um, which also includes Caligos now, even though he's not actually a dragon aspect yet, um, comes together and they're trying to heal the world tree and Hyjal. Thrall is then brought in to try to bridge the powers between the, the greatest shamans and the greatest druids and to work together to repair the damage that has been done. In the middle of the, the ceremony, in the middle of the what's going on, it's interrupted by Fandral Staghelm in his new I'm on fire mode with a bunch of new druids that have been corrupted into the way of the fire talon. And they're um, fire ones. They are I wanted to be a fire druid. That was the only reason why I considered going back despite all the assholes because it was like, I want to be a fire cat too. I want Ooh, fire. Yeah. We're, we're but getting, then I would have, part. I'd have to raid and screw that shit. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. I'm not a freaking joke. I have a life. I have people well, who love me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Listen, a after watching your stream of spending a half hour bashing your head against the wall, like, nah, and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> That's fine. That's why it's not for everybody. But no, it's kind of cool because what happens is, is Thrall winds up getting torn apart into four different essences and scattered to the four different four different corners of Azeroth and players are sent essentially to go and save him um, so you're reconstructing him throughout the entire process and while you're doing that you actually get insight into Thrall and how he thinks and that's really cool and I love the idea that you get more insight into a character especially one that's been so important in the entirety of this expansion keep talking <laughs> It's easy so, to edit out if you don't stop and listen to the dogs. So I'm what happened with that? So what happens is, is uh, you know what, the Vince, end. the lightly freaking comic book informer podcast, Vince has been like on the ball. Dogs start barking. It's like he's expecting it. He's got it on a timer now. Oh, look, it happened at 716 today. No stop. Easy to edit. Okay. Joe, good to know. What was that? What was it? I hear dogs. Have I so, finally gone crazy? Yeah, I thought I would finally. Where's lost the bunnies? It, apparently not. <laughs> so after players, <laughs> after players reconstruct, <laughs> reconstruct Thrall, um, you get to witness the wedding ceremony between him and Agra. That was probably the only part about it I didn't like is that essentially she's there to have Thrall babies. Um, everything and, else. And the voice really, acting really, really for her cool. was terrible. Yeah. At least in Cataclysm, the voice acting for her is so bad. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and that's what I don't get. Like, it's with all the cool voice acting they have, with all the cool actors that they've picked for all these other roles, and she's supposed to be somewhat important. Why the hell is she suck? 
and and it's true. I mean, it's it's funny because right now with everything that's being said about Star Wars: The Old Republic and the voice acting and how important it is, and we've seen that in in Mass Effect and Dragon Age, we've seen it done well in a lot of, a lot of games, and even in DC Universe, we've got some voice acting that is really quite good. But then you get some of them, like they've introduced a Swamp Thing, dude. I'll, I'll have to record it and then I'll clip it right here. Greetings, I am Swamp Thing. And I represent the green, growing things of this planet. It is spring, the time for all living things to grow. Poison Ivy seeks to disrupt the balance. She must be stopped. And so people can hear, it is so unbelievably bad. And... You would think that the game devs would realize that when they're doing something, they're trying so hard to immerse you into something that's so unbelievably unbelievable. And then you put this bad acting voice acting and it snaps you right out. Like any time that I did the stuff with Agra, I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. And having read the books, I appreciated the character. I really appreciated the character. So I wanted her to be awesome. And she just wasn't. She's there to have his brown babies. That's pretty much about it. They won't um, be brown. They'll be a brown green. They'll be like a freaking camouflage. Or like poop. <laughs> one or the other. Seriously, it'll be like army camouflage. Oh, that's going to be the worst finish. poop quest Where's ever. Little Thrall? I can't see him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's going to snipe you. <laughs> the, uh, the entirety of the whole patch 4.2 seems like it's all about scaling up the questing and the storyline. Um, even the new raid is going into the elemental plane of fire and storming Sulfurin Keep, the home of Ragnaros, uh, in order to... to best him and try to keep him from taking over Azeroth and burning it to the ground Man. in the name of Deathwing. It's kind of Ragnaros cool. again? Uh, yeah, but mm -hmm. now he's got legs. It's an upgrade. Um, awesome. He's got legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a new legendary weapon, which is Dragon Wrath, uh, Terragosa's Rest. Um, essentially what it is, is ever since Malagos was killed by players in Wrath, um, there has been a huge debate among the Blue Dragon Flight of what direction they should go, if they should become isolationists, uh, if they should join the rest of the flights and help out the world. And players are in constructing the staff are actually getting to play through uh, this entire story. Now, it's not just for raiders. Anybody can pick up the quest. Um, and the quest will take you through a bunch of this stuff. Um, yeah, but anybody can get the quest. But then how much raiding do you have to do as part until, of... Not until the very end. That's still raiding. Until the very so end. But you got to find people who actually like you the enough to... the staff and you becoming a dragon. So everything else is kind of okay. Um, but it's, it's just kind of nice one? to see them... What's that? I could you, if I wanted to. I have. The uh, that's not what I, I asked. I said, are you going to? Probably. Okay. So what's going on with this is that after you're done constructing it, you get to see what's going to happen with the Blue Dragon flight. Everybody gets to see it. Um, and it's kind of nifty. It's also nifty that they're tying a legendary back into the story of the game, mm -hmm. especially trying to tie up a uh, a loose end from the previous expansion that everybody's been what the fuck is going on with this for years um the other part of it is a newly new daily quest hub which is called the molten front uh players are breaking into the elemental plane of fire and helping the druids set up a 
beachhead, so to speak, there, um, which is kind of nifty because the entire thing is it will phase and change uh, based on what you do and how far you progress. And uh, what's going to wind up happening is you're essentially helping them grow a giant fucking tree to establish a patch of nature in the Firelands and give a big old F you to good old Raggy and his friends. Um, but it really is cool to see that they're really trying to integrate story back into the game and trying to tie up a lot of loose ends with the lore that they've been letting go for years. So yeah, but how much how much story are we talking about? Like, again, let's be honest here, because it's it's I, I of course I've not written off the game. If there was a reason to go back and play that that's actually fun that doesn't require me to you know raid like you do, then it, I would actually consider it. If I could do it without having to group with assholes, bonus that would be fantastic. <laughs> but it, how much story is there, or you know, is it really just the same thing as doing you know Tolbarad dailies kind of thing? Well, there's actually NPCs you talk to that give you the story. There are NPCs that you are working with in order to uh, complete their stories. Like if when you're first going through Hygel, remember Thistle Crow? Um, she was the cool one that decided that you, that you had the choice of whether or not she killed or didn't kill a harpy. Um, it was kind of a cool character that now comes back in this and actually has lines and story to tell. Um, there are a lot of story aspects coming back in the game. Not as much as some of us would like, but it's more than it's had before. And you can see they're trying to get back to that part. And that's what's really cool. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's a starting point. And maybe the next the next content update there'll be even more which i suspect there will be considering that fairly soon we're going to be getting ready to you know go after deathwing himself and there's going to be a shit ton of story with that um some of the questing in uh the game yeah, currently with even starts supporting that so it's it's moving towards that it's not quite as story driven as maybe the original was but it's starting to get back to its roots see my only fear is when you're talking about it's going to be going it's going to, it's obviously leading up to deathwing um is that we're going to have a situation wherein most of the lore is going to be hidden in raids and no, we've seen that so. but we have seen it before though so yeah. it's not like it, it can't be done well, no, but the thing is, is like, look, let's look at some of the base quests, some of the, the, the quests in the Badlands, okay? That's a low-level area, right? They're already starting to put the lore together of what's going to happen after Deathwing's fall. And it's already starting to go through with questing. Sure, the event of his death will wind up being a raid. That's a given. And if you look what they're doing for even that, they're nerfing every time they go to another tier of raiding, they're cutting the difficulty of the previous tier so that if people want to raid with like let's say a dedicated guild of you know people that are story goers but not quite hardcore enough in the game they can still catch up and experience it for themselves firsthand so they're not missing out and during one of the interviews i believe it was chris metzen said that he understands that they understand the fact that so much of the story seems to be hidden in a raid and they've been looking for ways to be able to keep it in a raid, but also give access to it for the people outside. So it is something they're conscious of and trying to correct, which makes me feel a little bit better about it. Well, here's hoping, because again, if it's something we're in, I can actually take part in stuff without having to be, you know, raiding or, 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 or moving a character over to a friend's server to play with them, but then they're never on and then they transfer to another server kind of thing. Those are, that's absolutely, I, I don't want that to happen again. It's, 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 right. it's, it's happened before. It broke my heart, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Same bastard that was supposed to send me rings. Anyways, speaking of rings, we're actually going to stop talking about WoW and we're going to touch on some news that just came out about DC Universe Online. Now, I don't know how much you guys are still playing, if at all. I'm Ooh, actually... Barely. 
Yeah, mm. I'm actually playing it, not all the time, but I am playing it again. Part of the reason why I'm playing it again is because I'm playing a different character now. So I'm playing a DPS versus the tank that I had before. And I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do quests that I didn't do on my tank initially. So in that regard, it's fine because I don't feel like I'm doing the same thing over again that I've already done. Um, once you get to 30, still you're doing quite a lot of the same instance runs, which is essentially the same thing as WoW, as most MMOs, you're going to be doing freaking dungeons just to, to do something and to get your rep up and whatnot. I am, however, trying to do some of the other stuff that comes up. Now, they've had some updates via some patches before. They've had three so far. They had the Catwoman one, which, I mean, was not huge because the quest leading up to the, the dungeon was I shouldn't say dungeon, the instance, was really not that big. You kind of look around for her, you find her on a rooftop, whoop-de-doo, ogle at the costume, and then you head to the instance. Um, the instance was well done for that one, I will give it that, because you're getting the eye from different cat bosses in four wings of the instance and then fighting um, the essences after. It was actually a fun fight and it had a little bit more to it in terms of fight mechanics that weren't in the other one so I kind of enjoyed it. And then after that there was the penguin one which was really I, I had no use for in terms of there's no real story you're you're dealing with harvey dent and then you're going up against um hush and and bane and penguin was too freaking tough little fat dude with an umbrella should not be that hard to kill okay i got freaking ice coming out of my nostrils i should be able to take you out like nobody's business and little freaking penguin with his umbrella whips you like a bitch not right oh yeah just not right so that instance was like eh. just meredith would be happy yeah. And now the new one is uh, Rash al Ghul, but that's a raid, and I none of my characters are high enough geared that I can actually do that instance. And that's a little bit... I, 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 I can appreciate why they do it. You want to be able to, you know, um, put in content that higher-level characters with the gear can do and enjoy, but there should be a way that everybody can enjoy it, be it levels of dif difficulty or drops or whatever, figure out a way, because this is something I can't do. And, I mean, my my higher-level tank, she's got a bunch of Tier 2 and Tier 1 gear, but not enough of the Tier 2 that she could actually tank it. So I, I can't say anything about that. But anyways, the new thing that's coming out is not going to be through a patch, though. They're, they're putting out their first paid DLC. Now, some people are not too happy about this because this is a paid game. Why should you have to pay for DLC on top of a paid game? We just have to look no further than what we were just talking about with WoW putting out the Rage of the Firelands, which has tons of content for you to do for free. And yet DC Universe Online is putting out this content, which having looked through what they're saying is going to be in there, I don't think it's going to compare to a patch from blizzard should we compare them is it fair to compare them no. that's another story altogether well, but hold on one second let me finish one more thing the, the 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 fact is though that when you're looking at the dollar value it's going to be ten dollars for this dc dlc and just so that people know this is going to be a dlc for green lantern stuff so they are banking on the insane hype 
that's going on for Green Lantern now based on a very yeah. bad movie. And yeah. so they're going to, you're going to be seeing more of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern characters. You're going to have some scenarios where you're going back to Star Labs. We've been there, done that. That's not new. I, of course, I'm sure they're going to show you a different section of Star Labs, but it's not going to be anything new. I've been doing Star Labs over and over again. Trust me, it's not interesting. And then you're going to go to Coast City. So you've got a new area, but as has been described, it's looking that that's just going to be an instance. You're not going to be, you know, flying around Coast City unless there's segments of it that are as part of that instance. It's certainly not going to be like when you're going around Gotham that is monstrous in scope. And then you've got the Science Cell prison on Planet Oid. Now that sounds cool. That sounds like it's going to be friggin' awesome so long as it's not like Strikers Island, which, you know, gets kind of old real fast. But it does sound, it sounds interesting. But again, you're looking at 10 bucks for all of this. And what I think is happening is that they're taking a page from Bioware right now that charges five bucks for freaking glasses and a shotgun for their shepherd. And to me, that's wrong. You got to look at the dollar value of what it is that you're selling. Yeah, I, I think that's right, because at, at first I was completely against it based on the uh, $10 subscription game thing. But uh, from what I've read, uh, the way I understand it is this is Sony's strategy of instead of releasing, say, one big $40 expansion, they want to do it in smaller $10 increments instead. And as a concept, I'm behind that. Just like, like you said, this is not $10 worth of content, as cool as it is. That's the thing, too. If you're looking at, again, when they said that, I clued into that. And so they're saying, okay, well, it's like an expansion. Okay, well, again, let's compare it to Blizzard. It's an MMO. It's It's got to be compared. So Blizzard's expansions, any of them, look at them and look at the amount of hours that you can pour into them. They're not always good, <laughs> but you can pour a lot of freaking hours into them if you want. And then look at this here. And even at $40, the expansions aren't $40 initially. They're more than that most of the time. So even at 40, bare minimum 40 bucks, this is a, a quarter of that. And I'm betting you, you can do all of it in one night. See, and that's my problem with it. I don't mind DLCs. I don't, there have been some very good DLCs that were released from many games over the years, but I don't really know if there's going to be enough here to justify the $10 price tag. And that's my problem. It is the age old cost versus content. Would I rather spend 30, 40, 50 bucks on an expansion that has a shit ton of content? Absolutely. When I bought Dragon Age Origins Awakening, um, it was a $30 DLC essentially for an expansion, but there was a ton of stuff there. For me, I got my bang for my buck with the hours that I poured into that game. Am I going to get it here? Sure, I'll log back into DCO. I'll spend my $10 probably because I'm a huge Green Lantern nut and I want to see what they do with actual Coast City. But I have a sneaking suspicion that after I'm done with it, I'm going to lament spending that $10. And that's my problem. It should never come to that. See, now, if they had included maybe a fourth origin for your characters, let's call it Alien, and included yes. Hal Jordan and Sinestro as new mentor options, then I think this really would have been a great DLC for the 10 bucks because, admittedly, their combat design for the constructs and the lantern powers sounds freaking awesome. I want to try it out, but I don't want to spend $10 on it. Don't be, don't be Bioware. Don't put out fucking Witch Hunter. 
what what they're saying as well is that you will be able to change your um, essentially your class to a lantern type class and so you will be able to unlock that so if you consider that like an additional class in another MMO then maybe that justifies a little bit of the cost because not only are you getting these instances but you're also getting these additional classes I mean we were just talking Joe and I about League of Legends which I installed I haven't played League of Legends man that's hard to say tonight I haven't played League of Legends since beta and so I thought you know what people have been fawning all over it I'll give it a shot again and play it on my new laptop I installed it and Justifiably, I've been having some fun on it, um, though the graphics are really terrible. They're, they're, there's no lying about that. It's just freaking terrible graphics for a game that's coming out now that looks worse than games that came out, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But anyways, um, but we don't have to look any further than that. When you're looking at the freaking champions that they sell that wind up costing real world dollars if you're buying it with real world and not their experience point crap shit whatever it is but if you buy it with real world dollars a champion can run you like eight bucks or more that's a lot of money for one thing and a lot of people are buying it so then if you're comparing that to ten dollars for new classes for both hero and villain as well as these other instances that you can run at that point do we have to accept that this is the new standard that we can't be cheap bastards anymore just to play devil's advocate that $10 is not that much for everything that they're giving us. But it, it is in a, in an economy that's still recovering for many parts of the world. $10 is a big deal. Now it's not like it used to be where $10 was throwaway money. Okay. Uh, let me, let me comic books. Let me ask you this. If it was not a pay per month, um game and this was additional dlc kind of like the cryptic store <laughs> i said a bad word um would you have as much of a problem with the cost at that point no yeah if it's free no no for <laughs> me no because i'm not paying my 15 dollars extra a month it's 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 like League of Legends, like you said. There's no cost to, p to play it. I've dropped $20 on the game to get what I wanted, and I'm very happy with it. But I still get to enjoy the game without having to spend any money in it. And if I don't want to spend any money in it, I can just play the game, earn points, and buy whatever the fuck I want without having to drop any real cash. In a free-to-play model, $10 is a little more understandable because you're not shelling out $15, $16, $17, $18 a month to play the game. And I understand that there's overheads. I understand that there's costs and stuff like that. But in that particular model, if it was free to play, I would be a little more okay with $10. Uh, not for me. Regardless of the monthly fee, I just don't see $10 worth of value here. Well, the thing, too, is having played the game as much as I know I have, I don't know how many hours you guys have pumped in, but I've actually played quite a bit, and I've run some stuff with with groups and whatnot, and I've played through a lot of the quests, and I'm working through a lot more of them. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing is that though there are some quests that are more fun, I'm running into far too many of them that are the Kill 10 Rats variety of quests, including the instances which many of them don't have i mean when you're looking at a, a, a wow instance and again I've, I've i don't want to sound like a wow fanboy i've got my problems with wow and i've made that clear um but when you're looking at a wow instance they try really hard to insert something different there's a different mechanic here that you have to figure out if you want to get through kind of thing well you don't get a lot of that in dc universe online 
Oh, no, your Most of them, it's a tank and spank. Now, justifiably, there are a few where there are some different things that you have to figure out. But for the most part, no, it's a tank and spank. And so that's why when I look at this, I see these and I'm thinking that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a tank and spank run through, kill everything, where many of the four player groups that you go into now when you're doing the, the, the random group, often you don't even have a tank. Sometimes you don't even have a healer. All they care about is DPS and the shit out of everything. And so to me, that really takes away from the value of the the instances and with the exception of the fact that yeah they're going to allow you to play the classes that's awesome that's going to be very very cool but other than that those instances just they don't carry a lot of weight with me okay so from one dlc that we may or may not be disappointed in i still you know what the dc universe online i'm not saying no that i won't buy it I don't know about you guys, but I'm not saying no. I may very well shell out the 10 bucks just to play it. I pulled my money after their big fiasco, and I'm hesitant to put it back in. So in con- like when they first announced it, I thought it was great. But when I saw the price, I was like, no, nah, they're still not getting my money. Okay, um, we'll see. So moving away from that one now, then let's talk about the Dragon Age 2. Because if we're going to talk about bad locations that are always the same, same freaking mobs come at you, you may as well wear a blindfold because you've memorized the shit. Let's talk about this because they're talking about new locations and questing and exploration. And is it just going to be the same coastline over and over again? They say it has, quote, several <laughs> new say. locations. Now, Look at that, that rocket's different. Oh, my God, it's below. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. There, didn't there, there know, used there to be, be a cave here? You enter three different ways. Yeah. there. I'm sure there used to be a cave right there. Oh, it's over there now. <laughs> this Look. door is locked. I have to go around. Dragon Age 2, I was so excited for, even though I still called it Shepherd in Time, um, I can't even call it Shepherd in Time anymore because Shepherd's got more going on than this does. Uh, it just, the, the when it was the Dragon Age 2 was released, I was so disappointed because it was. It was the same fucking city, the same dungeon, the same coastline, the same goddamn cave, every fucking quest. It was just running back and forth in the same four tile sets. Am I really going to get a different tile set for 10 bucks? It'll probably be marginally different, but I have a feeling it's going to look oddly similar to the coastline that's already in there. Well, we have to look at the fact, too, that, you know what? We can praise Bioware as much as we want, and they do a lot of good work. There's a they reason do. why when we were doing For the Lore initially, the first game of the year went to Dragon Age. The second game of the year, the following year, went to Mass Effect 2. And now this year we're looking at, well, we, we can completely discount Dragon Age 2, but Star Wars The Old Republic is probably coming out this year, and if so, stands a damn good chance of being the game of the year, okay? So they Agreed. put out good product. That said, though, <laughs> when, you're, yeah, when you're looking at this and you're looking at the crap that they've put out, I mean, they've put out some good ones, but the crap overall that they've put out for DLC, where they feed you 
crap shit on a stick literally we're talking about a pair of sunglasses and a beat up shotgun and they're charging you five to ten bucks for they're not afraid of shoveling you crap and knowing you your mouth is going to be open so yeah really dude so <laughs> they know they've got that carrot on a stick so your mouth is already open so they're just going to shovel the shit right in so when we're looking at dragon age 2 which Again, there were fantastic parts, and you can see so much potential that could have been there, but you also see the crap that was there and all of the same rehashed assets over and over and over again. I don't believe that this is going to be that different. I just don't. Well, recycled environments and combat issues aside, my biggest problem with this DLC is it's another side quest in a game that to me just felt largely like a series of side quests. Yep. So I, I, there's not a whole lot of motivation. It's not like, oh, instead of, you know, fighting the blight and trying to, to keep the dark spawn back, I'm going to go do this. No, it's instead of, you know, running the mine or going and picking some flowers or rescuing the stupid person that's stuck in the bottom of a fucking cave again. Let me go do this instead. So Well, it's true. When you're looking at variety. when you're looking at Dragon Age, okay, they left those specific little quest lines open so that they could force feed you and, and make you buy those those DLC. And it is making you buy. Because when you didn't end the story of Morrigan, one of the most important things, and then later on say, Oh, look at what we got here. It's the Morrigan story. You're making us buy it. You don't know when we're gonna have to buy it. And it doesn't have to be good. We're still gonna give you our our money. And so there was so many things with it, though, that you really wanted to buy that DLC because those storylines meant something to you and they left them untied. Whereas with Dragon Age 2, dude, I played my one playthrough and I I haven't uninstalled it, but I haven't touched it since. And I've got no interest in playing it again, let alone redoing the same shit over and over and over again. But just from a story standpoint, there's no... There are no major storylines that I chose one thing that I could have done another that I care that much that I'd like to go back and do it. So something like this, it's exactly what you're saying. I've got no motivation to go and play. I don't care. I don't to, care to about some perspective a little bit for me. I never finished Dragon Age 2. I couldn't bring myself to finish it because I, I, could, I could not bring myself to spend time in that game when there are other games that I enjoy much more. I'm not spending money on this DLC. There were parts of it at the end that were justifiably, um, and I'm not going to lie, jaw droppers. There were a couple of choices that I made mm -hmm. that led to scenes that I'm not going to lie to you. First time in a long, long time, and not on purpose, literally just staring at the screen and uncontrollably my jaw dropped. Not a lot, but enough that it's noticeable. You're going, holy crap, that was insane. So I'll give them that. Does that make up for the rest of the game? No, it does not. But it does mean that there were nuggets in there that actually were gold, that were fantastic, that reminded you that Bioware made this game. But again, when you're looking at this, there is absolute. it's not like if this game had been terrible, if this game had been what it was, <laughs> and but there'd been that Morgan aspect to it, that 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 
that relationship that that didn't quite end that was so unbelievably powerful in the story meant so much yada 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 and that here's the dlc where you get to finish that off however bad you may think it is there'd be a potential for me to buy this but as it is looking at what they're offering no Uh, there's plenty of room for it seeing as the game didn't actually have a fucking end All right, we're going to move away from that now, and we're going to talk about one more DLC before we take a break, and that is Fallout New Vegas' new DLC, Old World Blues. Now, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I have not played New Vegas yet. and I I, I know, and I'm dying to play it. I have it. I installed it on my new laptop. Dude, oh, I'll I'll be having fun in no time. I I really want to play it, and I do want to play the DLCs that came out. Now, did you play the first two DLCs? Yep, got him. I okay. actually uh, played through them pretty well. Um, I'm going to talk about the new one, though, just because it looks like the most interesting of the three so far. It looks nuts. It, it looks does. absolutely <laughs> like bad, shit, like crazy, 50s, insane. It, it looks like a 50s or 60s horror movie, mm-hmm. and that makes me freaking love it. It makes me think that they hired Sam Raimi to do the fucking goddamn DLC. Um, but it looks really cool. Now, the, the entire thing of Fallout New Vegas is it took what made everything that Fallout 3 was and improved upon it. Uh, better mechanics, better you know control schemes, better storyline, better NPCs, better voice acting, even by Bethesda, or by, by all of their standards here. Um, the new DLC is shaping up to be a crazy ridiculous romp against things that want to eat your damn flesh and i'm not talking about zombies i'm talking like giant mech scorpions it's awesome um i really really am excited for this and i will be gladly shelling out money for this dlc because they have yet to fail to deliver on anything that they've put out so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to old world's blues it looks crazy it just, it's seriously, it looks, again, it's, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the videos in Alan Wake. Yes. When you're, mm-hmm. you're already creeped the yeah, shit it out. It has that Outer but, Limits Twilight yeah. Zone feel to it. <laughs> like, I finished Alan Wake finally with my son. And we figured out, you know, it was taking too long. Each of us taking turns. So screw it. We'll just go on one account and take turns playing. And... As we're progressing through over and over again, my son is looking back at me going, I love this game so much. <laughs> and it's, we stopped at every single TV and we watched all of these. And the moment I saw this, that's exactly what crossed my mind. You're going to be already creeped out and you're going to see this and it's just going to freak the shit out of you. And that's what the entire thing is going to be. I'm just, all it's missing is Dr. Ned. Yeah. So, don't, don't worry. I'm pretty sure it's going to have its own Dr. Ned. All right, with that, we're going to take a little break. We're going to refill our drinks, go for a piss, and then we're going to be right back to continue with some actually very, very cool news with Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, giggle, giggle. So we'll be right back. (laughs) Hi, Nathan Fillion here to talk about a serious condition that affects millions of gamers every year, swamp ass. Prolonged gaming sessions can create a humid, bayou-style climate in the back of your pants leading to irritation, foul body odor, and a loss of hand-eye coordination. In extreme cases, rundle staining. Applying powders, bombs, or wet naps while playing only masks the problem and seriously impairs one's ability to majorly pwn one's adversaries. So, if your taint's moist, 
and your upper crack is dripping down your backside, do something about it. Put the controller down, stand up, take a walk outside, or use your mother's hair dryer in between raids. I do. And we are back. We're going to touch on some very interesting news right now that stemmed from E3. Now, there were a lot of games that people were really, really excited about at E3. We talked about that. If you're interested in listening to the three of us talking about it, go to MassiveNerd.com. And if you go to com, it redirects. I'm trying to give you a little cred. Come on. (laughs) If you go to MassiveNerd.net, you can view some videos that uh, Vince put together that has the three of us talking about E3 news. So you'll get to see what we were pretty excited about. Now, one of the games that a lot of people were interested in was, of course, Bioshock Infinite. Now, when we saw the footage at E3, it was very impressive. There was a lot of things that had us very interested the talks with uh, Levine were very cool, hearing different things that they were working on and whatnot. It was great. That said, though, we didn't get to see a lot of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes when there was the, the you know, journalists were getting to actually play the game and whatnot. Now, there was a video that came out where they allowed the uh, game trailers and Spike TV to have, it was about 20 minutes of actual game footage, gameplay footage. And they spoke to him about a lot of different things with the game and not just in terms of the gameplay, but a ton of stuff about the story and what's going on with Elizabeth and how your interactions are going to be with her and whatnot. And then on top of that, there was also a fantastic interview that's going to be in the show notes with Levine that talked about a variety of things, including as well a lot of the the psychology behind the characters and what's going on. Now, I've got it playing here streaming so that people can watch it. And once again, if you're listening to the podcast because you downloaded from iTunes, just go to forlore.com and just look for this episode and it's going to be in the show notes so you can watch the video as well. It is worth watching (laughs) because you're going to see this and you're going to wish you could have that freaking DeLorean so you can go to 2012 and play this game. It looks that Awesome. Now, when we look at what they did with Bioshock and Bioshock 2, yes, amazing. Yes, fantastic in that time and still now. But when you're looking at the boundaries that they're pushing with Bioshock Infinite and what they're doing, I mean, it's all well and good to look at, you know, the floating city and the different mechanics that they're using with the rails and all that, and the different mechanics that they're using with the tears, which in and of itself is huge. The freaking tears, unbelievably huge, and we're going to touch on that more. But for me, it's Elizabeth. And for a lot of people, it's going to be Elizabeth. Because it's, it's not uncommon to have an escort person that follows you along throughout an entire game. That's not unheard of. But what they've done here is that they created a character and they gave it some scripted personalities that reminded me a lot of what we heard about with Skyrim, where they gave the dragons personalities, they scripted them for different events, different things, and then basically let them loose in the world. And that's what we're hearing here for Elizabeth, where they gave her 
personalities, little quirks, different things that she could do based on where she is and where you are, your character. And from there looking at, okay, has she done this yet? Yes or no. If no, do this. And that's something that they talked about with the Lincoln mask, where you see her putting on the Lincoln mask, (laughs) which was awesome. Which was just freaking awesome. And so you're not going to see that over and over again, unlike other games where it's scripted here. If you redo the scene, you may not see that. It's going to depend on several other things, which gives Elizabeth life. It's a, it's a it's a modicum of life, but it's still life. You know, it feels much more real. And then when you're listening to Levine and everything and reading everything that he said in terms of the the process that went into creating her and the fact that they they use a lot of the psychology that goes into how fast you fall in love with a person kind of thing. And in traumatic experiences, you're going to learn to love a person, whether it's a man or a woman, a bro, bro love, whatever, you know, men in war, in, in those frantic moments, you're going to develop a relationship that much faster and it's going to be that much more intense. And they're banking on that being what you're going to experience here because of what you're going through, you're going to get attached to her that much faster. Again, there's a lot of thought that went behind this and I love that. But on top of that, what they did is they created a character and when you look at her just from a character design standpoint they created this character that's going to have been locked away for her life and yet instead of being damaged she's going to be yes have that damaged personality but there's going to be some like you're going to see how she hasn't quite matured like a person who has been out in the world has she still has little quirks i mean a normal you know normal person when you're out running from people who want to kill you is not going to put a lincoln mask on they're not going to pick up a statue that is fake gold and say oh my god gold gold Gold. there's there's a lot of things about her and yet then when you're looking at the the when the the building they're in is getting shot up to hell and she literally has to cover her mouth to stop from screaming not just you know don't scream she's covering her mouth to stop it and there's little things like that throughout that they've already made me fall in love with her the character (laughs) i mean i'm not even playing the game yet and i'm already attached to this character and especially i don't want to sound like a male chauvinist pig but it's i mean there's there's different things that are different between men and women and that protector gene that's in some men, not all that alpha male protector gene kind of thing where you want to protect your, your, your flock or whatever. Um, you already get that thing where just her character, you want to protect her. You want to help her when she gets taken away by the him, which is just such a cool design. That freaking bird thing. Oh mm-hmm. my God. That looked the insane. Eyes. Oh, when she gets taken off by him and she leaves and you see her face and they burst through that window and I'm thinking, well, he made a window and went through it. (laughs) I would have jumped off the roof too, just to, to, to go after her. Like if I was playing the game, I'd have jumped to try to do something. So they did such a good job with scripting her and, and not just scripting her, but creating such a memorable character already that she's going to be absolutely awesome to play this game throughout with. I am blown away by everything that I've seen for, for this game. I was a huge fan of Bioshock, a big fan of Bioshock 2. 
But this, I think, is going to blow both other games completely away. And not just because of the fact that they can do so much more because it's not underground and not underwater. Um, All those effects were cool. You have different lightings, different things that you can do here that you couldn't do before. And instead of being a slasher horror flick, which the first two games definitely were like, you had that constant dread of going around corners, not knowing what's there, the different uh, aches and pains. This is a very heroic game. And that's really cool to me because in Bioshock 2 we kind of got that idea where the main character is looking for his daughter there's sort of that that sort of I need to be the hero whatever but not quite like this you're fighting an entire city's worth of denizens essentially and you have so many different and interesting mechanics to do about it one of the other things I really really love about this game is the replayability it's going to have Bioshock 1 Bioshock 2 you beat the games there's not a whole lot that you could do besides go through and maybe catch something that you might have missed once or twice. In here, every choice you make, everything you bring into the world changes the way the rest of the game plays. So every time you use her special power of that tear, everything changes. So you can play through this game and not get the same experience twice. And that is astounding to me, especially now where we're playing games where choice matters. To have it like this makes me feel so happy because I cannot wait to get my hands on this game and go through this adventure. I can't wait to try to save Elizabeth and I can't wait to do it multiple times. When this game comes out, I'll be perfectly honest, you guys probably aren't going to hear from me for a couple weeks because I'll be dead in my room having died from doing nothing but playing this game. Yeah, I mean, this is the video we had all heard about, but very few people actually got a chance to see. So even though I knew exactly what to expect in this video, I was still shocked when I actually saw it. The scene with the horse that leads to the tear in the 80s. I knew it was going to happen. But when it Personal when I finally favorite. saw when I finally <laughs> saw it, it still I was still taken aback because it was so amazing. And if this video had been made public several weeks ago, I definitely would have put this as my best in show for E3, like everybody who did see this video chose. Well, the other cool thing about it, too, is the, the way that you move between the different platforms and worlds, the whole skyhook thing. Oh, that yeah. is ridiculous. And not just that, but the freaking combat on it. You're not just going to be going from place to place. You're going to be freaking in combat on these things. It's ridiculous. Well, speaking of combat, this is where they're doing something different than a lot of other games. Most other games, damn near all other games, there is going to be combat around you that has nothing to do with you. Now, that's going to freak a lot of people out because you're used to, if there's a shot being fired, it's being fired at you. In this game, it may not. It could be some other people having an argument about something, Mm -hmm. and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. You can go close to them, and they won't shoot at you, or they may. It's going to be something where in the environment is going to be very different than what we're used to. You're going to be tossed into an environment that's volatile everywhere plain volatile but you don't have to feel like it's all directed at you and it's it's too much you know you you pick your battles and go from there and so again you've got this incredible environment and then you have this character in elizabeth that the relationship is going to be something that's so powerful in the game And I mean, when you're looking at scenes where she's putting his hand around her throat and telling him, if you can't save me, if you can't beat me, that's it. That's or him. Then you kill me. You, I'm not going to be that pawn anymore. 
that's a powerful moment just to start off with right there. And it then builds onto the relationship from there. I just, with everything that's in the game, in terms of the, the technical gameplay aspects of it, whether it's the, the different combat, the different combat we're going to see that is not going to be the plasmids, but the whatchamacallits, I can't remember the name now they're using but the whatevers, um, yeah. yeah. And the fact that there's going to be hundreds of them, Levine said in the other interview he was talking, there's going to be hundreds of those and whatever plasmids. And combinations. So you're really going to have a ton of choices in terms of what it is you want to use in a different circumstance. And then it's going to cost more if you are, say, buying specific ones out of a vendor versus just kind of finding them. There's a lot of aspects that's going to make your personal build, character build, class build, whatever you want to call it, you're going to have a lot of different options in terms of what your gameplay is going to be. So again, awesome, 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 awesome. Look at the sky stuff. Awesome. Look at the freaking tears, which we've seen some things like that in other games, though never to this degree or from what we've seen so far done this well. So you've got all of these amazing things, and yet I keep going back to that relationship with Elizabeth. And to me, that is what is going to sell the game for me. Because I can compare this game to Uncharted, okay? It's a go-around shooter kind of game, and you have a companion like you did in both Uncharted's. Now, I've never hidden my love of Uncharted, and that's been made plenty apparent. And yet I never cared for those the people with me even sully nearly as much as i'm already caring for this character and i haven't even played the goddamn game yet all i'll say is for the record uh when i play that dude on stage is getting executed i'm not opening that can of worms (laughs) (laughs) all right i think we've talked about this one enough then again it's a game that we are so looking forward to it but we have still got a lot of time to wait for it. We're looking at 2012, and I haven't even heard what quarter 2012 it's going to be coming out in. I don't know if you boys have heard or if they've even talked no. about it. I didn't Not think really. so. Yeah. All right. So moving on from there, we're going to talk about ugh, dumbass <laughs> freaking sheep game that apparently one of us really wants to play badly. I'm going to run the video here. You talk about it, Vince. Well, not only wants to play badly, I actually did get to play a little bit of it because the demo is available on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network right now. So uh, I loaded it up as soon as I got home from work and actually played through the demo before the show here. So, you know, I'm actually prepared. What about? So uh, the game focuses on this main character, Vincent, as we've seen in all the crazy trailers previously in Japanese. So now the story does make a tiny bit more sense. Liar. And tiny not not much uh but through the demo it starts off you know very early in the game where we see his relationship with his girlfriend Catherine with a k and how it's not really going anywhere they've been together for several years but Catherine has always been devoted to her career so they've never really gotten the relationship to a point before where it became more serious however now they're in their 30s Catherine's getting a little older she wants to take the relationship to the next level and Vincent doesn't know how he feels about that and that's what a lot of the game revolves around is how does vincent approach his changing relationship with Catherine? uh there's a scene in a bar where he's talking with his buddies and a big part of the game is actually vincent's uh text messages uh it's a very small point in the demo but as 
uh, Catherine sent me a text message, I had the option to respond. And, you know, you click the button and a line shows up in the text message. If you like the line, you move on to the next one. If not, you can cycle through several lines. So you can actually craft your own messages back to Catherine. Everything from, yes, we should get married to, nah, screw you, lady. So, and, and, and various things in between. Uh, they've put a... Uh, I don't want to say a morality meter into the game, but a meter to show which way Vincent is leaning. And that that will really affect the way the whole game plays out, because by the end of the demo, the other love interest comes into the picture, Catherine with a C, uh, much younger, much more eager girl. And <laughs> it really it really makes Vincent question what he wants in life. Does he want a serious relationship with K Catherine or does he just want to have fun with C Catherine and the story evolves beyond that with dead bodies showing up all over the place and, and sheep. They, we're getting to the sheep okay and, and they're saying that a lot of the dead men were unfaithful and so Vincent starts having nightmares where he's told if he dies in the nightmare he dies period so for some some force is giving unfaithful men these nightmares to test them and that's where the actual gameplay comes into the game it's um there's only a couple levels in the demo but it's this big tower of blocks and the bottom is falling out so Vincent needs to scramble to the top well, it's not just a straight climb. You have to move the blocks around. You have to create yourself a path. So at least from what I've seen, there's not any action to speak of. It's more of a puzzle platformer mix, which, hey, that's perfectly fine with me. The sheep are the men that are trapped in the dreams. And if you look in the videos, when we see Vincent, he's only slightly sheepish. He has the horns. So that indicates how Vincent hasn't quite made his full decision yet, how you know, there's still an opportunity for Vincent to save himself, whereas the sheep that are in the dreams, they're already lost causes. They're already men who are irredeemable, and they will be killed. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff to this game, and playing the demo and actually getting to see how all the various parts work together have definitely sold me on the game and I can't wait to pick it up in a couple weeks. Joe, you playing this? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> hey, uh, when, the, the day you told me we were bringing the podcast back, I was like, I'm talking about Catherine. I knew what was happening. I yeah, but well, that's just happening. to spite me. That's all that is. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't really know. Um, it looks like it could be cool, um, but yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the, I, it's it's just a little too. It might be too far gone for even me. I yeah yeah even I me. I love quirky. Super Meat Boy. Just saying. <laughs> I love quirky, bizarre stories, and Atlas has not let me down yet. So I'm definitely uh, in line for this one. Well, I'm I am looking forward to seeing what you have to say about it and seeing more actual in-game footage. And, and I'll, I will try the demo, put it that way. Demo's free, fine. I'll try the demo and see what I think about it. Um, but even just looking at all the footage that I've seen of it, it's just not a game that would have even been remotely on my radar. Well, it, it's it's obviously not going to be a big game of the year, but the game does have its supporters and it can do quite well within its niche audience. And so that's what I'm happy to see. Okay, let's talk now about a game that we all are very excited to see, and that's going to be Terra. Now, Terra was at E3, and we got a lot more footage of what is going on with it. The thing with Terra right now, and it's something that I haven't hidden, I'm actually, I'm afraid, is going to be how much content 
lore content will be in the game versus just kind of grinding instances and things like that because they they haven't hidden the fact that again it's an adventure game kind of thing and that's also an mmo so i just i know that we've talked about them i know that they're they're doing a lot of work on it i'm just i'm hoping it's not going to be the same thing as as dc universe online where there was a hope that they'd bring so much of the the comic lore into it and really there's some but you still wind up just doing the same crap over again so i'm afraid i'm really afraid that that may happen with this i'm I'm hoping it's not but in terms of the actual gameplay everything that we'd assumed or been told that the game was going to be we got to see that yep in fact that is what it is it looks friggin awesome joe what did you think about the uh, the dark cathedral footage that we saw there's a papori kicking ass how can i not like this <laughs> with a bow <laughs> i want a papori how the hell is he pulling that bow back <laughs> who the bones. hell cares he's yeah. fucking awesome it's a panda of death um honestly i thought it was visually gorgeous i mean it's far and away better than any graphics we've seen for any uh mmo so far um and just like i the combat for it is amazing as well. Just seeing like the different way that the spells are interacting with each other and watching the way that these three heroes are going through and taking out and, and fighting against these mobs that are so much bigger than them. And the scale of the place, the place looks absolutely freaking oh, yeah. huge. I love the level design. And, and that too, and it has a very distinct feel. Um, if you had not told me that this was the Dark Cathedral, that's exactly the mental image I would have gotten by looking at this video. It looks very almost gothic-like, and it looks like a cathedral. So it's more than just naming it what it is. You can they're, they're telling a whole ton of story just by the way that the level looks, and that's phenomenal to me. Yeah, also the uh, the creature design is, is continues to impress. The, every monster they were fighting just looked vibrant and unique. That crazy boss dragon, whatever mm-hmm. the hell it was at the end, just looked cool as shit. And I, I find it interesting that they did this video with three players. So I don't know if that's indicative of actual gameplay, if we'll be able to do three-man instances, or if they just you know threw a couple high-level people into a lower-level dungeon for the sake of a cool video. So that's going to be interesting to see how that uh, works out. Yeah, well, I got I the impression that the... they were a little too strong. They, they were pretty oh. powerful for what they were fighting. I, I wish I could find the interview, and I can't find the link, and I tried finding it before the show, but there was an interview um, with folks from Blue Hole um, where they were talking about they were looking at smaller groupings because they feel that, like, 25- and 40-man raids and, t- and even sometimes 15-man raids might be too much. And so having the ability to have epic content for heroes, so three, five, seven uh, players might be an option. I I love that. I want to see more stuff that mm-hmm. you can do with just three even. I mean, I I don't want to go looking for even five people, you know, or four others. I, I really don't. A small group is phenomenal. And because then you can have something that's tightly woven that is definitely going to be you know, good friends that you are with. No, not definitely, but you know, you can if you want. Just a couple of guys with you and just have a blast doing an instance i'm I'm really hoping that that is something that they they took into effect the the problem may be that it might again be something wherein you are the the classes are going to make a difference now, that's something that we've been reading more about with guild wars 2 that i'm 
seriously freaking digging <laughs> that it's not you don't have to have a tank a healer and a certain amount of dps no just whoever you are go in and beat the shit out of whatever is going to come and try to eat your face and plus work together at the same time i love that what's happening with terra is that we're seeing a very rigid structure at least so far that's what it appears that a very rigid structure in terms of what kind of mechanics you can use in group composition, even to the point of your healers, whether you're using a mystic versus a priest, and in which instance will you need or will one be able to do the job? Well, the priest Here, always can, but the mystic may not be able to do it. Here's that. my fear with that. This is what happened with Lotro when it first came out. Lord of the Rings Online was a great game, um, but what wound up happening is certain instances couldn't be done with hybrid healers you had to have an actual healer um there was this one instance everybody called the turtle um it was essentially like a giant tower that you had to fight your way to the bottom of and if you were like a rune shaper which was their hybrid it was their essentially their shaman i could heal or dps and i had a little meter that swung either way that told me how good i was doing at either one i could not heal that shit if i did nothing but cast a heal i couldn't do it you had to bring in a full out healer you did not have a choice um i do not want that to happen here. I really, really fear that that would happen, but I'm hopeful that it won't because honestly, everything else looks great. And I would love to be able to take, you know, my mystic healer friend in rather than having to wait for a priest, you know? Well, that's the thing too. I like, and part of me is the, the, the self-abusing bastard that I am that started <laughs> as a druid in wow. When they didn't love druids, they, they had a hankering hate for, for druids. And now I'm looking at mystics and it's like the class calls to me and from everything I've seen and, and it, and everything that they've talked about it, it just sounds better and better and better. And it sounds like a play style that I just feel I could absolutely adore. And yet some of the stuff I've read has, and that we've point blank been told unless things have changed was that Mystic ain't going to be able to heal everything. Well, no, if I'm a healer, I want to be able to heal it. <laughs> Whether it's a three, five man, whatever, I want to be just as powerful in terms of the utility i bring to the group as a healer as a priest yeah i do it differently but i can heal it maybe it'll be tougher fine but i can heal it and what i'm finding out now is it sounds very much like no you're not always going to be able to and that i hate that i really mm, i it bothers no. me hey that's hey, nice. go ahead, go ahead. You first. <laughs> Just say, if you want to play a mystic and I'm tanking on my Amon and Joe's doing whatever the fuck he's doing on his Papori, you can fly my wing anytime. See, I'm either going to, if I can't be a Papori Lancer, if they take that away from me, I'm going to be a fucking Papori Archer. Why? Because that video just showed how badass a little fucking panda with a bow is. I, 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 I saw, I'd still panda. like to see him with a great sword. <laughs> Actually, oh, we God, could have the three of us. <laughs> The three of us as Papori's. That's what we should do. And come uh, up with a really awesome guild name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm rolling a Papori. That's really the bottom line. There is there is no other choice for me in this game. I'm either doing a Papori or the Great Big Dudes. Because the Great Big Dude Mystic would be awesome. That's awesome. That'd yes, awesome. I would love to be a panda with a giant fucking axe. Yeah. So, again, we have read a lot about Terra in terms of their lore. And we've we've talked with the writers and it's it does look like they're going to put a lot in there. I guess part of me is also skeptical because of the pedigree behind 
which I shouldn't associate with that. It's it's kind of not really associated with it. So I should let it go and, and, and hold them to their own with Terra starting fresh kind of thing. And again, we've we've heard a lot. So it is quite possible that there will be a ton of lore and that it won't just take you a few months to rip through it all. And then from then on, it's going to be just repeating the same thing that said if it does become something wherein you are just repeating the same kind of things for you know whether it's a certain type of rep or or, or whatever it does look like it's still going to be a lot more fun than your traditional mmo wherein you're going to actually need a lot more skill and a lot more you're going to be much more involved in it the same as you would be in a first person shooter kind of game so if it replaces my first person shooter itch kind of thing, that's an important distinction. That's well, I'm, I'm all right with that. Something incredibly important there too. It's the caliber of player that's going to flock to this game because it's not going to be that easy because there's going to be those certain things where you have to do. I mean, let's go back to E3 and beforehand, even at well, their, their small presences at PAX prime and everything else. Everybody who's played this game, even as a healer has said how their mind has been blown and how they have to target to heal. This is going to take everything we know and turn it on its ear. Hopefully they'll stay with that because so far the reactions have been nothing but good. Yeah. And again, like I said, if it is something that just eventually becomes a bounce in for a the, the equivalent of a first person shooter, go in and shoot some zombies or whatever kind of thing. But here you're going in and you're just kind of shooting apart whatever creatures there are i'm all right with that depending on what their pricing structure is going to be for the monthly payment kind of thing because that's going to be the big one when you're looking at what's going to be coming up with star wars the old republic probably coming out this year yes that's some pretty heavy competition that's going to have my money one way or another because that's the game i'm going to be playing with my youngest he's already put his money aside to buy the game it's a foregone conclusion (laughs) we're at the point where we've pretty much decided what classes we're playing even We, we know what we're doing we're it's just a matter of here's my money let me play and so that's got my money and then when you're looking at guild wars 2 that's a uh, that's a purchase because I know also that it's not going to cost me anything from then on. So then, Terra, that's where we may run into a problem. I, I just want to yeah. say the name of our Papori Guild is going to be Pandaren Funk. Are yes. you serious? That's yes. where. The- <laughs> Vince and I decided this while you were going. Don't worry. It's, 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 it's already, the best it's, I could come up with in two in. minutes. Okay, well then it's it's open to discussion. I'm thinking. <laughs> it's we we may be able to come up with something a little better. We'll see. All right. Last but not least, we're just going to touch briefly on Alice Madness Returns because Joe has been playing the shit out of this. And we actually have a feature from him that is going to be tacked onto the podcast. So if you're listening to us live, you're actually going to want to download the feature, the uh, the podcast when it comes out, either on Thursday or on Friday. That's going to be the schedule from now on, with Friday being probably the date that they come out because I'm editing both this one as well as Comic Book Informer during the week. So. That's going to be how it is. That being said, there's going to be a feature both from Joe as well as this week. We're going to have one from Vince as well, and he's going to be doing Woo. a fantastic feature on L.A. Noir. So you definitely will want to download the podcast so that you can listen to those. So anyways, Joe, you've been playing Alice and you've been really digging it. Now, this is the very first game that I have ever downloaded from EA's Origin program. Um, and so far, I will say that the experience has been wonderful um honestly the game itself takes its cue straight from the original transitions very well into the modern day and for a game that you would think uh that 
essentially this game would be dated by now because it was originally supposed to come out years ago. Unlike Duke Nukem Forever, it hasn't lost its touch. This is where I, say I told you so. This is there's insert. I, I told the hell you so out of here. Duke Nukem yeah. Forever. Let's not even get into that. I still love the hell out of that game. Now, anyway, <laughs> you're in the but, minority, buddy. I know I am, and, I'm and okay you with only that. love it because you're stubborn and you don't want to admit it was bad. No, I love it because I'm actually a 13 year old boy. I just happen to be able to buy cooler toys now. But anyway, Alice Madness Returns doesn't follow into that category at all. So far, it's been very well critically acclaimed. People have loved it. The visual style of the game is fantastic. And honestly, I have been loving this game. It has been to a point where I will play this game and I will lose hours of time where I do not realize how much time has passed. That rarely happens to me. So I'm really impressed with the way that they've pulled this game together after 10 years of production and we're able to put out such a masterful game it is incredibly well done creepy as shit or just kind of jump out and scare you creepy as shit now if you're going through the game and you're playing and i'm going to make a suggestion put on a pair of headphones and turn the volume up the game doesn't have a whole lot of loud noises like sudden pops so you don't have to worry about it but just stand in a place and just listen to what's going on. Even in the very first thing where you load into Wonderland for the very first time and it looks all sunshine, roses, and lollipops, just sit for five minutes and listen. If your skin isn't crawling by that point, I've got nothing for you because you obviously have no soul to scare. All right. It is on my radar. Actually, I do want to pick it up, but I do want to finish. I want to play the first one and finish it all and then play this one. I, I know that you don't have to, but I'm guessing that there is enough that it is actually there's enough tie ins between the two, right? There is a bunch of references to the story of the first one, but the way they present it is as you find memories throughout the game, it will sort of tie back or flash back into that. So you don't have to play the original, but playing the original and then playing the second game gives the second game a, a whole new feel. It also gives the original a whole new feel because there are certain things that they allude to in the second game that they never ever really flushed out like little tiny things that happened in the first game that you might have missed. So highly recommend playing through the first game. You can actually find it uh, on sale a lot of the time now. Every other week it's been on sale where it's the original game packaged with the sequel. Okay, so cool. Keep your so, eyes peeled. Yeah, definitely one that I do want to play. So make sure to download the podcast on iTunes when it is released. You can look to Twitter or G Plus now, and you'll know when it's out because I will let you all know. And that's going to well wrap as our it. Facebook fan page. As well as our Facebook. Joe, take it away, please. <laughs> be sure to go to facebook.com search for for the lore all one word it'll be the very first thing that pops up make sure you friend us add us like us make sure that you you check there for news um, gamer pictures will be uploaded there as we get them in if you want to contribute to the site by all means send them in to me it's joe at wowinsider.com feel free to send your gamer pics and i'll upload them to our fan page at for the lore so join us there's lots of ways. And then, of course, if you are downloading the podcast from iTunes, we would certainly appreciate reviews, especially to replace the reviews that we had before. We had a fantastic five-star review, and we had 20 reviews on there that are now gone. Because why? Because Apple is a bitch when it comes to renaming their podcasts. And I did not want us to keep going on with the Bow Down to Us Laura Edition tag. I wanted it to be 
for the lore. However, it would not for the life of me change back, even though it had changed initially from for the Lord about now. Blah, 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 blah. I created a new one. I had it. I created a new Same as with the comics podcast, created a new one, but in so doing, lost all of those reviews. So please, if you don't mind, head to iTunes, leave us a review. Love getting those. And it actually does make a difference as well when we are approaching guests and whatnot. If you want to reach us, of course, you can reach us on Twitter as well at, at for the lore. And of course, if you want to send any comments or submissions or anything, do it at forthelore at gmail.com. And we are on the brand new social network, the one that has gone viral in a matter of hours, and that is, of course, Google+. So you can find Joe, as well as Vince, as well as myself on there. I'm going to put the links to all of us in the show notes as well, as well as in our profiles on the site if you want to find us. And, of course, the site is forthelore.com. Send us some comments on the site. Let us know what you think, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. My name is Joe and I am from For the Lore. Today we are going to be talking about Alice. Madness Returns. The game was released on June 14, 2011, and is available for the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, and on PC through Origin from EA, as well as Steam. The original game, American McGee's Alice, was released a little over 10 years ago. The original game took the story that we all knew and loved of Alice in Wonderland and turned it into something greater, an adventure interactive world where players could participate. Not only did it become an interactive world, it took on a dark edge. Things were not as they seemed in our children's story. There was blood. There was combat. There was maniacal villains. And of course, the dreaded Jabberwock. The original game took place shortly after a house fire had claimed the lives of Alice's mother and father, destroying everything that she had loved. It toyed with the concept of what if not Alice was just simply crazy or if Wonderland really did exist for her. The sequel, which was originally slated for release 10 years ago, takes that idea and takes it even a step further. Players are thrust back into London after Alice has been released from the mental institution. The game opens with her speaking with a psychologist, talking about memories, how they affect us, how to forget them, how to maintain them and find them once again. She's then sent to go find her own medication basically to help keep the memories away. Players are then thrust into the dirty, dark, low streets of London where everybody is filthy, in the poor sections where people live in squalor. Alice is beaten, just looks as if she's been completely just stripped to the core and just doesn't know what to do anymore. Her clothes are gray and lifeless. She carries stripes almost as if she's a prisoner to her own life. Even her frock is dirty. Her hair is cut at a maintained level. Nothing about her is pretty. Nothing about her is graceful. As players progress through the streets of London, Alice finds her way back into the magical land of Wonderland. I won't ruin for you how, but it is well worth playing at the very least the first 10 minutes of this game. When Alice returns to Wonderland, she is greeted by a familiar face, a Cheshire cat. 
the world looks very much how she remembered it when she was younger. Oddities, floating islands, odd objects at weird places, but nothing sinister. As players progress through the world, they'll notice subtle things change. Spots of blood, gray blackness where there wasn't any before, shadows in the light. The game slowly takes on a more sinister appearance of the original American of these alleys. There's even a section where a dead creature lays with the vorpal blade between its shoulder blades. The Cheshire Cat once again goads Alice on to take the blade. What results is a river of blood staining all of the water throughout the entire rest of the level. Not only is the visuals of this game stunning, but the audio engineering is phenomenal as well. Little things happen. I highly suggest putting on your headphones and turning the volume up all the way. You may be surprised at what you hear in the background. As players progress through each level, they are there to gather two things. Teeth for upgrades, which is the currency used to upgrade your various weapons, as well as purchase new outfits that will give you various different powers. And memories. Memories of what happened before the fire, memories of what happened after the fire, and what happened with her time in Wonderland. The game is a rediscovery, and as much as the storyline is Alice rediscovering herself, the game is attempting to rediscover what made the original American McGee's Alice so wonderful. And to be perfectly honest, they've done just that. The story is incredibly compelling. You are thrust into this world not knowing what's going to happen next, and adventure is upon your hands. I found myself losing hours of time the sun would rise before I would realize that I'd been playing for four, five, six hours. Everything about this game edges you closer, tries to push you to know what else is going on. It's that discovery, that trying to figure out where all these familiar faces are. What happened to the Mad Hatter? What happened to Rabbit? What happened to the Red Queen? All of these things are answered as players progress through the world. It is a phenomenal experience, and one that I highly recommend to everybody else. The mechanics of the game are something that you would expect from a third-person shooter. Players look over the back of Alice and can see her lovely little skull bow and her hair flow throughout the entire world. In order to attack with melee, you left-click. In order to attack with ranged, you right-click. Players can also shrink their size in order to solve puzzles, and also use what's called shrink sense. Think of it sort of like... Spider-Man's danger sense, except Alice can quite literally see writing on the wall. It'll give you warning and helpful clues on how to find not only just memories, but how to defeat the level properly, accurately, quickly, without taking too much damage. The game also boasts some heavy platforming puzzles as well. Players are able to double jump and glide for a short period of time, very similar to Princess Peach in the second Mario game. But every level has a trick. Every platform is a little bit more difficult because you are doing it in third person. This means how your camera spins will affect you, and you have to take that into account. Also, you can lock on and do combat while jumping and during the platforming. This is very important to keep in mind because you will be doing this later on. The puzzles and the platforming get progressively harder as the game progresses. Having to integrate different weapons into combat while doing these just makes the game that much more fun and that much more difficult. The story itself will keep you just at the edge of your seat all the way through. And anybody who was a fan of the original American McGee's Alice will be greatly rewarded for playing this game. 
the throwbacks and interludes that it gives to the old game are all there. It pays homage in all great respect. And those who are not familiar with it, but just love Lewis Carroll, love Alice in Wonderland, and love the idea of a sinister twist to their favorite story, I highly suggest this game. It comes with the highest recommendation that I can possibly give an adventure platformer in a third-person shooter. The controls are tight. The visuals are absolutely stunning. The audio is amazing. The gameplay is phenomenal and responsive. And the story is ridiculously well done. I cannot give this game enough praise for what it has done, not only with the current state of games in general, but with the love and care that it gave to what was a favorite and most anticipated game for a rather large group of players. The game can often be found on sale packaged with the original American McGee's Alice, and if you haven't played the game in a while, feel free to play the original all the way through and then play the sequel. If you just played the sequel and remember the original, go back and play the first the game takes on a whole new meaning. everyone, Vince here. For my first feature back on For the Lore, I wanted to talk about L.A. Noir, the recent hit game from Rockstar and Team Bondi. I feel the game is overall fantastic, though only when it's doing what it was intended to do. This isn't a review, but rather a look at the difference between when the game is working as intended and not. L.A. Noir has a very distinct and well-placed narrative flow. The game is divided into four desks, with each one focusing on a different division the main character, Detective Cole Phelps, is working in. The traffic desk allows the player to get a feel for the way the game works, with each case telling its own self-contained but interesting story. The homicide desk is a bit more complex, with each individual case being part of a larger story. Once you reach the vice desk, everything starts coming together. Clues and hints that you picked up on earlier in the game finally start to make sense. This is where Cole's personal role in the story is elevated beyond merely a detective. Things become very personal for him. And once you reach the arson desk, the game races towards its conclusion. When the story was done and the credits rolled, I felt incredibly fulfilled. The game did such a great job of establishing its characters and making me care about them that I felt like I was part of the story myself. Now, many have complained that the game lacks any story whatsoever until those final cases. I wholeheartedly disagree. Each case in the game does tell its own self-contained story, whether it's part of a larger narrative or not. All of the cases in the game, and especially the early ones, are important in establishing the setting and the tone of the game. More than anything else, L.A. Noir is a genre piece. Understanding and appreciating that will increase your overall enjoyment of the game. 
Now, where does L.A. Noire stumble? While the narrative flow of the game is impressive by design, I found it somewhat less so in execution. When the game is doing what it was designed to do, that is, the actual investigations, I have no complaints. While the player's role is largely passive, mostly just walking around and pressing a few buttons now and then, I was so wrapped up in actually trying to solve the cases, as a player, I still felt involved. Even the action segments within the cases were enjoyable. Chase scenes and shootouts were important parts of the old movies the game was based on, so whenever a suspect fled or resisted arrest, it was a nice change of pace, and it still fit overall. So where's the problem? It's the open world segments of the game, the so-called street crimes. While driving around LA, dispatch calls will sometimes come in over the radio, and you have the option of responding to them as secondary objectives. It's just annoying that these take place in the middle of an investigation, ruining the pacing of the story. LA is a pretty big city, and sometimes these street crimes occur in out-of-the-way places. At one point during a vice case, I was on my way to interview a person of interest a few blocks away. However, I received a dispatch call clear on the other side of the city. After almost 10 minutes of driving, I completed the objective and spent the next 10 minutes driving back to my original task, only to receive another call right back where I just was. This happened three times in a row, and after nearly an hour of driving around town, I had to reference my notebook just to remember who the hell I was supposed to see and why I was interviewing them in the first place. And maybe it wouldn't have been as bad if the driving wasn't so infuriating. Traffic is a nightmare, with cars all over the road, ignoring traffic lights, and making turns from the wrong lanes. The siren helps a bit, but seems to frighten pedestrians, causing them to dart out into the middle of the road and freeze directly in front of your speeding vehicle. To make matters even worse, the damage you cause in the course of your investigation is deducted from your overall score. It doesn't really mean anything other than achievements, but it's disheartening to work a case flawlessly and only receive three stars because of a game mechanic issue. Sure, you can get around the driving issue by letting your partner drive to your objectives, but then you miss out on the street crimes altogether using that method, and many of them are legitimately enjoyable. I didn't want to skip them. Personally, I feel a better implementation would have been to include the free roam segments in between the cases. Give the player the option to ride around town responding to street crimes without breaking the flow of the case, or just going straight to headquarters for your next assignment. Throughout the game, there are actually times where if you don't work the case properly, you'll displease the captain. He'll reprimand you and tell you to go work street crimes until he feels you're ready for the next case. Now, this doesn't actually happen in the flow of the game. It's just assumed that a significant period of time has passed between those cases. So my solution would have fit into the game perfectly. So really, I can only think of two reasons the street crimes were implemented the way they were. First, it could have been as a mechanic to extend playtime, which I honestly don't feel was necessary. There's plenty to the game already. It took me several long weekend sessions just to complete it. So the second option is as an attempt to add more action into a largely story-driven game. 
Now, this does make sense to me, as the designers would want this big-budget game to have more mass-market appeal than a game like Heavy Rain did. So honestly, I have no problem with that goal. I understand it perfectly. I just wish it was implemented more organically. So despite these issues, I still feel L.A. Noir was the best game I've played so far this year, and will definitely be a Game of the Year contender months from now. It's a wonderful, engaging, and more importantly, unique game that I strongly encourage anyone to play. However, I'd be lying if I didn't admit to a small, sour aftertaste because I know it could have been better without action segments being shoehorned into the game just to bring it in line with the rest of Rockstar's catalog. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? You can't hear me. Loud music. <laughs> Things happening. What, what are we doing? What is this? <laughs> I can't hear you. All this music. What the crap? Hey, the the option to do. Holy crap! Your mic sounds much better. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. Uh, so if we could just get rid of Vince's fan, dude, we'd be set. Freaking golden. <laughs> Get rid of the fan and the clock. <laughs> so the bane you, you of every podcaster. <laughs> you, you realize that you've totally put Vince on hold, right? Okay, see, that's what I'm trying to. <laughs> How... <laughs> Sorry, Vince. <laughs> Add people to this call. Oh. You could just drag his name over to the window, too. No way. That ain't working. I'm doing it. That ain't working. Fine. I'm doing it. Fuck no, I'm hanging up on you. Ha! Take that, yes. Pass that. Are you still there? Pro freaking organization. That's what we are, people. Because just in case you were wondering, thinking, wow, these guys sound like they know what they're doing. Um, yeah, not always. No, don't call me, you dumb bastard. I have to call you. I will get it. Plug the fucking cable in. It's not the cable. Okay, this, there it is. Ha ha! Huzzah! Okay, you, you, can you, you guys know? hear you each other? <laughs> you sure? Are you okay? Dude, they move shit around, all right? Yeah, you can't uh-huh, do that uh-huh. on old people. You can't be moving shit around when we know where things are. It was it, it was a little yeah, complicated. Was a monkey or something. There was a freaking... There was a... Damn it. There was an extra button I had to press. <laughs> <laughs> all dogs, new tricks, all that shit. Yeah, it doesn't always work. <laughs> At least we got our fail out of the way first. <laughs> That's not much of a fail. I mean, I hung a, up on you guys. Awesome. In my opinion, that's a good night. <laughs> that's not a good fail. night. See you later. <laughs> yeah, live audience, you get you get a treat. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, <laughs> ice cream and show notes for everyone. Wait, we're we're not enough of a treat. <laughs> I want ice cream now, you bastard. Okay, so what we're gonna do is I figure time wise. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. Damn. <laughs> I even moved away from the mic, dude. That had some bass to it. <laughs> That's all you, buddy. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely all you because I haven't tried it. 
Freaking cheap, weird-ass dreams. Not my game. <laughs> you know. Maybe if it was a moose. Maybe. A beaver. I, I'm good with beavers. <laughs> We've already established that. <laughs> was a game about beavers, I'd be all over it. Alright. Well, if you could, you know, get there. What do you mean, get there? They're all over the place. Everywhere oh, you, you look, you there's a freaking though, beaver. You know. They're everywhere. <laughs> you don't, you throw a freaking rock, you're bound to hit a beaver. And Roger <laughs> completely sails over the point. And power rings, dude. Power. Did you get your fucking package yet? What package? No. No, what you lying fuck? sack of no, shit. You, you didn't, didn't send it. You did bullshit. not send it. Bullshit. What do you mean bullshit? Bullshit. Dude, I would have pictures up with all the rings on my fingers like Hal Jordan on the cover of that one cover and be like, ha, 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 look it, look it. Because, because I'm assuming the there's more special, than rings. special gift for you for your birthday. Well, birthday. Dude, that was in February. Uh -huh. You sent Spider me a comic? birthday gift. No. <laughs> Dude, don't even comic. start about the freaking Spider-Man comic, you <laughs> bastard. I hate you. I hate you. Joe, did you get yours yet? Yeah. Are you going to sell it to me? I don't know. Screw you both. Okay, I'm hanging up on the both it's of you. It's so pretty. I don't know if I want to get rid of it. You're, oh man. And you say you care. You pretend, air quotes here, like you send me shit. You never do. And then, oh yeah. Look at this cover I got, by the way. Variant. It's beautiful. You can't have it. Ha ha ha. Fuck you both. Never liked you. Hey Vince, how do you like yours? It's, it's absolutely gorgeous you know i even have it set as the background on my phone so i can look at it even when i'm not home no love it too much and that'll reduce the value no because it has a plastic cover that well, that's, it's, it's easy to wipe to off you're assuming you can reach that far please if it's up on the wall come on <laughs> man <laughs> all right i was giving you the benefit of the doubt you have how many kids jesus yeah i know but they're not all mine we just drag them off the street <laughs> you You look like you could wash some dishes <laughs> Like to play video games? Come on in Have I got a home for you <laughs> Dude, that freaking Bioshock video Turn <laughs> 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 the volume off, you bastard It's not letting me Do, do you know how to work the volume on it? It's, it's a freaking different volume thing And it's not listening It's you right just, next you, to the conference call button no, not that one, you numb nuts. I'm talking about the freaking video for freaking Flash. Just, just I hate you guys. Icon. No, I'm clicking on the volume icon, you dumb numb nuts. It ain't making no difference. It's still making noise. I don't know if everybody in the audience can hear it though. If if I'm the only one that I can hear it, I can I can deal with that. Oh, that volume icon. I'm gonna turn uh. that off now. <laughs> Be the quote of the night. Oh, that volume icon. <laughs> Which one were you looking at? Just out of curiosity. I don't think he was looking at an actual volume icon. No, I think he was like random places okay, on the screen. Okay. Goddamn volume. There's go freaking little green bars that look like they should be the volume. Because look, little bars on the other one, little bars on there. So you assume that means that's the volume. Surprise, surprise, it actually doesn't. That's just. Freaking bars for the sake of having bars. Because <laughs> 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 I figure we could talk about it a little bit if we could just pull it out. It's not a big deal. 
No, we can keep it in. I'm just wondering how much you're going to want to talk about it. Girls. Yeah, <laughs> only one right now, <laughs> and I'm betting not that much. <laughs> Ginny, what are you, dude? You're supposed to have a drink, not a freaking LSD shot. <laughs> not making sense. Oh, she's leaving. You going? Uh, okay, you're not making sense. I'm not listening. I, I don't know. What's I don't know going what she's. I, I'm, I don't I'm know what confused. she's used. Yeah. Ginny, dude. <laughs> Makes sense, it. woman. It, they, oh, okay. <laughs> that made sense to you? <laughs> I think I think that was a, a reworking of the poetry that somebody wrote about saying goodbye to their life when Skyrim comes out. <laughs> I think so. Well done. He's got to have that rascal fully charged, man. Yeah. He's got he's to jump the hill like a good old boy and get his wine. Nope, dog's in the way. Yink, yink. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing the wife isn't here because she'd see me with a glass of wine and say, What the hell are you doing with that? You're on pain meds and anti-inflammatory. Give it to me. <laughs> Drink it in front of me. <laughs> so what you're saying is she tried to keep you alive longer. What the hell's wrong with her? Spoiler alert, people. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I love that clip. <laughs> I think that is the exact same wow you put that I had in the outtakes from my the, I, I think you just copied and pasted that freaking wow. Come on, that was funny. Does not compare to the Walking Dead outtakes, though. Oh, Jesus. Those were awesome. <laughs> you gotta understand, okay, look, look, I played them in the car while driving home from work, and Hart's just fucking giggling uncontrollably. She's, like, ready to explode. And, I, and like, it was the best part is I offered to stop at, like, you know, Walmart and pick up one of the little tiny, like, plastic water guns so she could feel included. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I gotta go pee that. Oh no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh. That's a good boy, Carl. Yeah, that's. <laughs> It made me think of like friggin' uh, cheese from Foster's Home for yes, Imaginary. Yes, <laughs> yes, oh man. <laughs> I was in tears when I was actually when we were joking around like that. I don't know about you, Vince, but my God, I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. Okay. Do it. Do it. All right, we start with this. That's what happens when I get ridiculously bored. What the hell was that? I come back and I could just hear shit through the earphones. I'm going, what was that? I'll send it to you here. Man, don't bother. If it's about hooves, I don't want to know. Ah! Oh. <laughs> but he loves you, old man. A little too much. I'm sorry. I can't be disappointed. I haven't gotten any of them. So. Dude, actually, in all seriousness, I am really upset that you haven't gotten them. It really bothered me. <laughs>
like it's it's literally bothering the shit out of me like i would s probably sell you my variant comic but i don't think it would ever get there like i'd ship it that's out you're lying you are lying and just in case you're not <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I hate you. <laughs> because I didn't get the gift that you sent to me? I'm the bastard? Yes. You did not mail something to me, but told me that you did. You lied to me, and yet I I'm the bastard? Oh, nice. That's nice. Sure. Jesus. You've been taking Hoog's lessons. Uh, my, my, my special effect is every time you tap the card, move it from the game for three turns. <laughs> for seven months. <laughs> <laughs>